Where do we even start with this team, Renee? Um, they're amazing. How about that? Look, right. I mean, look, we, you and I, we've, we've spent our whole lives here, and we've seen the 0-16 year, the futility of the year-to-year, the Matthew Stafford years where, you know, we were waiting to turn that corner and it never quite happened. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, for the first time since the 1991 season, we are finally seeing a team live up to expectations. Yeah, um, it's. I think that we're all uh, breathing a little bit easier when these games come. Out. I mean, I mean, don't don't get me wrong. We're all very nervous every game. We want to win. It's it's do or die. Um, but it's not like we've uh, we're we're wounded animals where we don't trust. We trust right. that these guys know what they're doing now. Right. Somewhere over the course of the season. And I know this was over the course of the season because I felt differently at the beginning of the season. Sure. I don't feel you, – you don't feel like there's impending disaster hanging over the Lions' heads like a pendulum. Exactly. Like, like we used to. Every game and, going, this is it. They're going to blow it. Oh, this is it. And that took a lot of time. It um, did. Because obviously this fan base has seen some bleep. Yeah. You know you know what this feels like to me, Renee? What's that? The Hockey Town Red Wings. Back you know, especially during their first few Stanley Cup runs in the late nineties into the aughts. I mean, everyone was watching them, even people that don't normally watch watch football or, or hockey in their case. Right. You know, uh, you the know bandwagon the players. fans. What's that? The bandwagon fans as they call them. Yeah, I'm not you know, I'm not gonna call them bandwagon fans though. It's. I, I mean, here's the for for the longest time, the Lions did not give us a reason to watch. But we for continued long, to, and we so did. we deserve this. Yeah. So I don't blame people who, when this was a feudal franchise, decided to do something else with their Sundays. Who are now back because right. Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes have get, given us a reason to make Lions appointment television for the first time since I was like eight. Right. And, you know, people know the players on this team. They know the stars. They know the Jared Goffs. They know the Amon Ross St. Browns. And then they know, uh, you know, the role players like your Alex Anzalone's. Um, and, and the whole city is just absolutely on fire for them. And uh, I was texting back and forth, Steve Courtney, just, just coordinating, you know, his, his hits today. And he said that, and I said, I brought this point up to him. I said, this kind of feels like the hockey town Red Wings. And he said, well, if, if the Lions, if the Lions go all the way, they're going to make that Red Wings party look like a tea party. I, I, I said, we're almost there. I know. I know. My friends were saying the same thing that we had over to watch the game. And I said, I think that this, if you can imagine, is going to be even bigger if they win. And, it, it, I mean, look at the celebration that erupted downtown just after last night's game. Right. The, the footage, I was like, good for this city. Look at look at the joy and the energy coming out of this city. We need this. It's been a long time coming, and Dan Campbell has brought that. Yeah, and it, you know, look, yeah, yesterday's game, most of it was a grinded out back and forth until early in the fourth when Jameer yeah. Gibbs busted it open, and then the drive after that. Looked like the lines we're used to seeing. Jared Goff, he had a clean pocket. He had all day to pass, and then he got it to uh, Amon Ross St. Brown. And then at that point, there is 6.22 left in the fourth quarter. And I said to myself, 
there's no way Tampa's coming back. Not in Ford Field, not with this atmosphere, but you know, you know, to their credit, they battled back and pulled within one uh, before the Lions were able to eat up the clock. And what I thought was really cool, watching the pregame festivities, Jason Garrett, um, Chris Collinsworth were talking about how this was a, a, a an atmosphere that they have never seen before. Oh, I'm sure. And did you did you see the pregame vignette where they featured uh, the fans? It was all about yeah. the fans, and I thought that was so so cool. Look, NBC is is so good at those vignettes. Last week they had Eminem, and he got us pumped. This time they uh, they they pulled at our heartstrings. Yep. Um, they had uh, uh, this uh, the ben. guy's name escapes my mind. Ben, what the the season ticket holder? Yeah, Benny Cap. Yep. And then they had that guy um, who who they caught crying in the stands after the Rams game. Yep. Um, who you know he he went to every game back to the Silver Dome with his dad, who we lost twenty twenty years ago. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, 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 and it got you a different type of pumped up. Yep. Yep, it and was uh, it was very well done, very well put together. And then after Aiden Hutchinson just standing there taking it all in, I got a little emotional watching him. He just stood there watching the crowd and watching the confetti fall from Ford Field, and you could just see him taking it all in. It was incredible. Right, because he has a deep, deep understanding of what this means. He grew up in Plymouth. Yeah. He grew up idolizing Matthew Yep. Um, so if there's anybody... Who knows what this means to the city? It's him. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, Frank Ragnow, I, I mean, he got his his leg and his ankle rolled up at least twice, and I he know. still went out and played like a pro bowler. And you can really tell how much his teammates love him. I mean, him and Jared Goff, they were on, uh, talking to NBC after the game. It was love fest between them. Taylor Decker was asked about him in the locker room after the game. He got emotional. And uh, I think that's the difference with this team. I think that – I think that this team loves this team and, and not in like a narcissistic way. This team, they play for each other. They're brothers. And Dan Cam- right. And Dan Campbell has done what every head coach was hired to do and has failed um, since Wayne Fonts. And that is build a culture and get the players to buy in. And that culture and spilling out into the city. I think we're all being a little nicer to each other and we're all looking out for each other a little more. And I don't, don't you feel the warm and fuzzy coming from this city lately? You really, you really do. And, and, and look, the, the lions, obviously they have a tough matchup next week. I mean, San Francisco has been the best team in the NFC all season. I mean, we, we saw the, the Eagles turned out to be fraudulent. And, and I, I said it at the beginning of the segment, Renee, that, this team has met high expectations, but now it's their turn to exceed expectations. I, I, I forgot what the line was, but they're, I, I think they're six or seven point underdogs to the San Francisco 49ers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have to travel out to Santa Clara. Um, by all metrics, by all predictions, it, it San Francisco should be going to the Super Bowl. And, you know, we might be sitting here next week saying, hey, it was a great season. Um, you know, there's no shame in losing to the number one seed. But the Lions aren't thinking that. No. The Lions are thinking shock the world. And They're like I said. We still have work to do. We have one more game right. to get through and then the Super Bowl. 
Right. So, um, you know, we still have Ben Johnson. We still have Aaron Glenn on the staff uh, for at least one more game, hopefully two more games. Obviously, those two, they've been um, the bell of the ball when it comes to NFL uh, head, head coaching searches. So they're they're all about probably gone and they, and they deserve it. Um, but for the time being, they're still Lions. And like you said, Renee, they've got work to do. Yep. Um, so I apologize. <laughs> we'll get you. We'll we'll get we'll we'll get you your news roundup after the news. Um, but I, I think today this this is pretty much what everyone's talking about. Oh yeah, absolutely, rightfully so. And I'm glad yeah. I'm glad that this is the news cycle for Detroit today. Yeah, it, it's it, it's nice for a change, you know. And 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 there's no reason um, that that this shouldn't continue for years and years. I mean. Good teams lose coordinators. That's that. That's what good teams do. That's a byproduct of success. And the fact that our two top coordinators are so highly sought should be an immense compliment to Brad Holmes, Dan Campbell, and the success of this franchise. It's first thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale on WJR. The last thing each day is to set an alarm for the first thing with Mike Parsons and Renee Vitale on 760 WJR. Well, I've said it before on the show. The first thing I like to do after a Lions victory is watch Twitter for the Dan Campbell locker room speech. And uh, yesterday's did not disappoint. It might be the best one so far. Let's give him a little taster, Jason. Believe me, it is fantastic. You built this, man. And look what you guys did. You went out there and the what? It's another hot team that we knocked off. It's the next hot team that you knock off. You know how hard it is to win this? league in the playoffs do you understand what you're doing right now what we're capable of that's two all right that's two we got two to go with a bye in the middle man and whatever you got going on today just run through a wall if you got meetings it's just driving to work, whatever. I mean, I, I don't know how you're not able to take on the world after hearing that. I, yeah, I think that the entire city is going to be a little more productive today. Just listening to Dan Campbell's locker room speech. Yeah. <laughs> I can do yeah. this. I can Monday after hearing that. <laughs> right. And and obviously hearing that, you can tell um, why this team is is ready to run through a wall and play for each other. So we'll uh, we'll, we'll talk more Lions Um when uh, next segment when we bring on the JR morning crew, but let's uh, catch up everyone on what else is happening. Very busy news day. I'm guessing Ron DeSantis wasn't watching the game yesterday uh, because word that he suspended his campaign dropped uh, in the middle of the Lions Bucks game yesterday. Yeah, I saw that as I was scrolling through social media, not not looking for Ron DeSantis, but looking at the reactions of people watching right. the game. I went, oh. Um, I mean, we kind of knew this was eventually coming, right? Yeah, you, you thought it would happen at least after New Hampshire. Um, but I guess yesterday, and obviously the decision was probably made well before it was announced. But he can't. He he was supposed to be on like Meet the Press and and the Sunday morning shows on all three major networks, and he canceled all those. And his camp said it's because he was traveling. But it, it turns out that. Uh, he, he was dropping out of his campaign. Right. And I got to be honest, I think that if Donald Trump wins New Hampshire by the margin that he won Iowa, I think Nikki Haley's probably not too far behind. 
I don't know. Haley told voters in New Hampshire that we wish him well. Having said that, it's now one fella and one lady left. So yeah. Well, <laughs> we'll hey, see. you know, good. Good for her. Fight the good fight. Yeah. You know, kind of a shocker over the weekend. South Carolina Senator Tim Scott, who was a presidential candidate briefly himself, officially endorsed Donald Trump like Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis uh, endorsed Donald Trump. Um, But the Tim Scott endorsement of Donald Trump could be interpreted as a bit of a slight to Nikki Haley since she was the one who appointed him to Senate when she was governor of South Carolina after Jim DeMint retired. Um, And so a lot of people are kind of looking at that sideways. It was probably the politically easy thing to do, especially as a Republican. Yeah. But maybe she holds out till South Carolina in her home state. But uh, but yeah, like I said, if if Donald Trump wins Iowa by the same margin and of course, Nikki Haley won't be competing with Ron DeSantis um, for second place. So she'll 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 pick up some of Ron DeSantis's votes. But I think most of those are probably going to go to Donald. I, Trump. I'm not going to put you on the spot, but it, it, maybe, you know, offhand, did he win Iowa last time? Who? Trump? Trump? Yeah. Uh, in 2016, Ted Cruz won Iowa. And so there was, uh, you know, we were kind of talking about it during Iowa caucus week about how, you know, it it doesn't seem like Iowa is a great predictor of who's going to win the nomination Mm -hmm. because uh, I'm sorry, uh, Ted Cruz won it in 2016. Um, Rick Santorum won it. I mean, you know, it's kind of these evangelical um, candidates seem to do very well in Iowa. But with that being said, the Donald Trump nomination uh, train seems to be unstoppable. Right. This is something um, completely different than we've ever experienced. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, meanwhile, back here at home, Renee, the anti-Karamo faction of the Michigan Republican Party elected their leader over the weekend. Yeah. Pete Hoekstra has been chosen as the new Michigan Republican Party chairman on Saturday morning. The Michigan Republican Party Senate Committee met in Lansing to select a new permanent chairman to lead the party after Christina Karamo was voted out on January 6th. Karamo and her supporters have refused to recognize that vote. At that time, the Michigan Republican Party named Melinda Pego of Muskegon County as the interim chairwoman. Uh, the Michigan G- GOP announced shortly thereafter that Hoekstra had been chosen and is officially the new chair of the Michigan Republican Party. Hoekstra served as a U.S. congressman from uh, Michigan from 1993 to 2011 and as U.S. ambassador to the Netherlands from 2017 to 2021. And he was a candidate for governor in 2010 and for the U.S. Senate in 2012. Yeah, and now the um, Republican Congressional Committee is watching all of this and they sent a letter to the Michigan GOP voicing concern about what's happening here at home, and they're warning the party about its handling of a $263,000 infusion of cash that they're set to receive from the committee. In the letter, GOP leaders outside of Michigan, they raised concerns about the infighting and reports that the party only had $35,000 in its bank account last time they checked in August. Uh, They're telling the state party not to spend any of the money until they meet uh, with budget officials from the Michigan GOP. So this national committee, they might actually be the ones who end up deciding if Christina Caramo is still head of the Michigan GOP or Pete Hoekstra, uh, depending on who they award the money to. Unless they split it up. I know. Um, And if they split it up, it would prolong the confusion and the infighting. 
um, because you would think that whoever gets that $263,000 would be, by default, the official state GOP party recognized by the national committee, right? You mm-hmm. think that. So um, we'll see. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's quite the soap opera. Um, jury selection begins tomorrow for the trials of the parents of the Oxford high school shooter. Uh, they're to be tried separately, but as of right now, we're not quite sure whose trial would be first. I would think it would be the mother since we've been hearing more news about her defense trying to disallow certain evidence and testimony in court. But I don't know if that's an indicator or anything. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how you make the decision of who goes first. Um, or do you, and, and when you're getting the jury, do you get because it's, you know, it's the same but different. Do you get right. 24? I mean, how do you, you do you just pick from one big pool and go you, 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 you? I mean, it, it's this right. it's such well, a unique situation. Well, and, and it's interesting you say that. It is such a, a unique situation. It's it's the first situation of its kind, which means that legalized all over the country, they're going to be watching this trial since it's the first time parents of a school shooter are facing charges. So so this trial could set precedent for a number of trials, mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately, for years to come in, yeah. in future school shootings. Right. Um, and it seems like these trials will be determined by what the parents knew beforehand about their son's mental illness and their negligence in trying to intervene, as well as their negligence in properly locking up and storing the murder weapon. But to me, the biggest question is, did they buy the gun for that shooter um, that he used in the shooting, um, specifically since he was a minor. And all evidence point to yes. All evidence it was that the gun that he used was an early Christmas present. Um, yeah. The parents gave it to him. And to me, to me, I, I, I think that's enough to convict. But we've said it before, Karen McDonald, when, when she was bringing charges against these parents, she, I, I think she used the word woefully inadequate when describing the laws to hold parents accountable for something like this. We've never had to deal with something like this. Right. So, you know, ju- and, and and the laws are on the books now, but the laws are on the books as a result of this shooting. Right. So, um, you know, although in my I'm 100 percent convinced that these parents are guilty and these parents should also face jail time. There just might not be the law on the books. That to says convict so. them. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Um, and uh, more American troops were targeted over in the Middle East this weekend. Yeah, a number of U.S. service members were seriously injured in Iraq on Saturday at around 6.30 p.m. after Iranian-backed militants targeted al-Assad Air Base in western Iran with a, b- a bombardment of fire. According to U.S. Central Command, most of the missiles were intercepted by fire from al-Assad's air defense systems. There were some impacts to the base by artillery fire that was not intercepted. Officials said multiple rockets along with ballistic missiles were launched by militants and the U.S. said at least one Iraqi service member was also wounded. Reports said that the Islamic resistance in Iraq took credit for the attack by militants saying that the missiles and rockets were launched in continuation of our approach to resist the American occupation forces in Iraq and in the region and in response to the Zionist entities massacres against our people in Gaza. And Al-Assad Air Base is said to have served as the most important supply center for military convoy and fuel during Operation Iraqi Freedom. Yeah, and uh, Senior Biden Advisor Brett McGurk, he's expected to be in Egypt and Qatar this week in hopes of reaching a hostage deal with Hamas and to further discuss a ceasefire in Gaza. Uh, He made a visit back on 
January 9th, and he consulted with Israeli officials last week. There's still over 130,000 hostages um, that were taken by Hamas on October 7th that remain missing. The White House, Egypt, and Qatar have all declined comment. And a uh, not a not a very good update on these two missing Navy SEALs. Yeah, um, unfortunately, two U.S. Navy SEALs who went missing off the coast of Somalia during a mission that seized Iranian-made weapons bound for Yemen's Houthi rebels were declared dead on Sunday. They vanished during a January 11th raid in which the U.S. military seized a cache of Iranian-supplied missile parts and other weaponry bound for Houthi, which CENCOM has said the rebels have used previously to conduct attacks on commercial shipping vessels in the Red Sea that have severely disrupted the global supply chain. Uh, so to seize those weapons, CENCOM said the commandos operated from the USS Lewis B. Puller in international waters in the Arabian Sea, um, and they did a complex boarding of a boat near Somalia, which is a region known for piracy. CENCOM released a statement that said, we mourn the loss of our two naval special warfare warriors, and we will forever honor their sacrifice and example. Yeah, and they're presumed dead. They're not confirmed dead. So hopefully they uh, they end up being found. But, the problem uh, is, is that one fell into the water while trying to board right. the boat, and then the other one went in after him. Right. So obviously they don't presume people dead without evidence, but you know, hopefully there's a, there's a small glimmer of hope. Right. All right, and and real quick, just a quick PSA: we've been following the uh, thirteen state and house. Um, Senate, I'm sorry, the 13 state House and state Senate districts that have to be redrawn by this year's election. Um, If you'd like to weigh in, they're holding public meetings today and tomorrow from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. and 6 p.m. to 8.30 at Huntington Place. Wednesday from 10 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. at Cadillac Place and Thursday and Friday, 9 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. at Cadillac Place. So if you would like to weigh in on the new state Senate and House districts, uh, you can do so all this week. First thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale, WJR. All right, you know what we want to hear on a Lions Victory Monday. eh? We're going to the (laughs) NFC Championship game, Victory Monday. Lloyd, I hope you didn't blow your voice out yesterday. If you did, it'd be very understandable. No, I I actually didn't, and I'll tell you why. But let's let's get first things first. (laughs) Forward down the field. There we go. I was I was with my mom yesterday, and I was with my mom yesterday, and she was sleeping, and I was in the I was in the den with her. So every time the the lights, I was like, (laughs) golf clap, yeah, yeah. (laughs) you know. Oh my god, that had to be torture for you because we know what a lot. It was, it was. I didn't want to scare her and jump up and scream, and she would be like, "What's going on?" Oh, Uh, son of the year, right here, Lloyd Jackson. Oh man, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was. I was watching that game, and I was like, "Wow!" And I'm gonna tell you, I was telling Jamie uh, that I was driving in this morning, and you know, I I got a little emotional driving in, coming down the lodge, going south, and looking at the the Detroit skyline, and just looking at everything, and saying, "Man." It's been such a long time since we've had this feeling. Uh, and some people, like myself, has never had this feeling when it came to right. the Detroit did you, uh, Lions. Did you find yourself getting uh, choked up? Yeah. Because I did. I, 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 and I don't know why. It was inexplicable. Yeah. No. Absolutely. It's just so much emotion there. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. I think that's so great for the people who've long suffered, you know, through the terrible years to be at this moment, one win away from the Super Bowl. I mean, you know what I got choked up was watching Aiden Hutchinson afterwards, Mm -hmm. just taking Mm -hmm. it all in. He's standing there watching the confetti falling and the fans going crazy and you could just see it. You could see it on his face. He was taking it all in. Unbelievable. And watching ESPN and listening to it on Sirius Radio, all these different broadcast uh, broadcasters talking about the Lions and just seeming seeming to me like they're so happy for the Lions in the city yeah. of Detroit as well. Well, I think this is part of Mitch's article in the Free Press. <clears throat> it's not cute anymore. This is a good team <laughs> trying to win a Super Bowl. It's not just the cutesy story of this yeah. team trying to well, shake off the pass. Right. And, and, and Jamie, I kind of had that realization, too, yesterday watching the pregame festivities on NBC. And I, I there was one guy who picked Tampa to win, but but all the other analysts, almost a clean sweep of people thinking, uh, picking the Detroit Lions to win. And, and, and you know, it wasn't like a novelty in, in past years where we kind of stumbled backwards into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I, people are believing that this team is legit. And I, I started thinking, you know, imagine growing up in, in Boston or, or, or Pittsburgh or Kansas City as of late, where excellence like this is the norm. It yeah, feels right. so foreign and exciting to us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because well, that's what we experienced with hockey, though, right? For all those years, 22 trips to that's the right. Stanley yep. Cup. Mm-hmm. You know? And, and you know, you know what? This run kind of feels like that first Stanley Cup run. 1997. No question. Yeah. And speaking of hockey, uh, Tampa Bay got beat last night across the street. Bam! <laughs> nice shot. Yeah. I was and wondering how many people were actually at that game. Yeah. <laughs> right. It was, it was just a bad day for the state of Florida. Ron DeSantis. It was right. <laughs> right. And Ron DeSantis was obviously not watching the game because he announced that he was suspending his his campaign in the middle of it. JR Morning coming up next.